Sound Design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live. Today, my guest is Jim Venable, the president of the Wireless Speaker Association, or WISA. Since its formation in 2011, WISA has worked to promote a multi-channel wireless transmission protocol for speakers in home audio. So, Jim, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. So, I know you've worked a lot in marketing, but just to get us started, tell me, tell us a little bit about how you got started in audio. My history uh, in uh, in the industry is uh, started out actually on the chip side uh, in semiconductors a long time ago, and bringing innovative technologies to market is really what I've been doing most of my career. Um, I won't bore you with the details of, of computer chips, but there's been uh, been several that uh, that I've worked with uh, that's actually changed the face of computing, particularly uh, when we talk about these now high-powered microprocessors that are that are common today. They weren't always common, uh, so I started out there and uh, and uh, continued to look for new and different types of technology uh, to bring to market. Uh, the, on the audio side, it, it started out as kind of a personal thing where uh, the complications of you know, cabling up a surround sound system, the frustration of, of uh, making one work, because uh, I'm a DIY guy, and uh, it just seemed a lot more complicated than it should. Mm-hmm. And then there, there are the advent of wireless in general. So those two things coming together was uh, kind of fortuitous when I came across uh, this wireless technology that was really t- initially targeted for the home market uh, to answer the question of, uh, of, of eliminating the complexities that the uh, even the um, install installer group uh, run into when they try to uh, uh, put a high resolution uh, audio system uh, in a home, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, this organization um, uh, was looking for someone to spearhead the effort to standardize this wireless interface, and I just thought uh, that it was a good fit for me, and very passionate about uh, bringing these types of new. Uh, changing uh, technologies to market. So you couldn't get your home stereo system set up, and so you had to get a new job to make that happen. Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. We could say simplistically. I guess that's it. You, you go to uh, concerts and you see all the rigging and all the wires and all the stuff trying to make these things work, and it just seems like um, it seemed like it was just a very complicated setup for uh, doing something that I thought would be relatively simple. Um, I say in quotes, mm-hmm. um, and everything is going in the wireless direction. Uh, so why not? Uh, why not speakers? I completely agree with you, and I want to talk about that a little bit more a little bit later. Sure. But first of all, I think a lot of people want to know how's it get done. How is it reliable? So first of all, let's talk about eight hundred two eleven A, which is the standard that WISA uses. Um, can you tell me the features of 802.11a that make it interference-free, as you call it, in your white paper and great for audio transmission? I, I, certainly. Um, 
there is a unique segment of that band, and, and it, it, it runs from about 5.0 to 5.8, 5.9 gigahertz. And in between there, between 5.1 and 5.8 gigahertz, there is what's called a uniband, and it's, um, it, 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 it is a worldwide uh, frequency that's unlicensed, uh, and, but it has some unique features to it uh, where would, not everybody can play there unless they want to follow some very specific rules. Um, there's that section called the dynamic frequency selection. And what that means is that um, if you're going to be in that space, you have to monitor for interference. And the interference comes in the form of radar interference. It could be... Uh, weather radar or military radar. And if uh, you're sitting on a particular channel and interference is detected, then the system has to move. And everything moves at the same instant without any uh, sampling loss. Uh, it's undetectable to the human ear. Uh, so everything moves and goes to a a channel that has been previously identified as interference-free. Once that system moves to that interference-free channel, then it automatically identifies yet another channel that is interference-free. And in this spectrum, in the DFS range, there are 15 channels a system can sit on. So there are lots of places to go in case uh, there's interference. Now, interference is relatively rare. I mean, if you've got an AWAC, uh, system flying over your house, you got a different problem than 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 hearing audio. But <laughs> airborne early warning and control systems. From what I read about it, it sounds like mm. the requirements are um, pretty high. It won't choose a channel until it's been interference free for at least a minute. That's correct, and that's why. So the monitoring. Uh, that's why uh, the system is always looking and monitoring channels to make sure that they're interference-free, and it has time to do that. And with the plethora of channels there, it always understands and knows where and has been monitoring for a period of time that channel to make sure that if, it, if you do have to move, then that 60-second that monitoring period has already expired and it can just move. So you have to observe the, uh, those rules and... You can't go back to a channel uh, after for a certain period of time, so it it's it, it kind of limits uh, what you can do. But for audio, it's just fine. And why isn't it affected by things like microwaves and Bluetooth transmitters? They operate on a different frequency. Okay. Pure and simple, uh, and that's one of the reasons why this is so good for audio because we're in an area that. Is not your microwave, not not the your cordless phone or Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Those are all on different frequencies. Uh, generally, in 5.0 gigahertz or 2.4 gigahertz or 5.8 gigahertz, which are on the outside edges of where um, these systems operate, where this technology operates. So it's unlikely that they're going to be bleeding in, and if by chance there is interference, then you just move to another channel. So, so there's always ways to get around any type of interference. One of the reasons why we think this is this is uh, is being so successful in the marketplace is because um, 
everybody is trying uh, that's doing wireless systems are really trying to hammer to fit paint to match in that 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi space. And as we know, first of all, there's a very limited number of channels you can play with. I think just three. Uh, and there's so many billions of devices that are, that are all vying for that bandwidth. It just makes it impossible to transmit and receive high-resolution audio without doing a whole lot of hoop jumping and compressing and uncompressing data uh, 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 to where you then introduce latencies and all kinds of other issues. Well, and the wireless uh, band that are used for most of the wireless microphone systems that we have now are also being cut back. We lost 700, yep. and um, in the future we'll be losing some of 600 as well. So, yeah, everything's being cut back. It, it is indeed, and, it, and, and it's very difficult to identify that, except in this particular area. Uh, and it, as I mentioned earlier, it is worldwide, so it's not just a U.S. type thing. It's, these channels are available you know, around the globe. Uh, some countries allocate more, some, uh, not, uh, some uh, countries allocate less uh, than the U.S., um, maybe 12 channels instead of 15. But in general, there's plenty enough uh, uh, channels to, uh, to operate in an inter interference-free environment. Well, let's talk about some more features. I want to talk about channel count and delay and maximum distance because... I'm curious if this could be right. used in professional audio. So, first of all, what's the maximum channel count that you're using now with WISA? Um, eight. Okay. And uh, the current and, and, and there's two pieces, to, two parts of this answer. Um, originally, starting out, uh, the uh, strategy was to address uh, the home audio market. Uh, in this particular space where we think there's huge opportunity to standardize on this wireless link. And I want to emphasize that the primary purpose of the WISA Association is to uh, ensure uh, the integrity of the wireless link between a transmitting device and a receiving device. Uh, manufacturers can do whatever they want on either end of that, whatever is their secret sauce, uh, whatever their claim to fame is, whatever their advantage is over their competitor, they can continue to do that uh, from, from their own technology standpoint. The, the, the um, interfa interface specification doesn't get in the way of that. Oh, I, I see. So it could be possibly as, as many channels as my technology allows. So possibly I could be transmitting AVB using the WISA standard? Well, it, it, that's very possible. And, and that is one of the topics that our uh, technical, technical advisory committee uh, will be addressing uh, and how does all that work back into the technology. But currently, let me be very clear, uh, currently the maximum audio channel count per transmitter uh, is eight. Okay. Uh, now, if you have multiple transmitters, if you want to, if you want to do something exotic and have multiple transmitters, can you go beyond that? Of course. Uh, but uh, simplistically, per transmitter, it can uh, 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 handle a maximum of eight audio channels. Now, um, we are continually looking at ways to exp either expand channels, expand distances, and whatever the market is demanding, we're, we're, our uh, technical committees are looking at that to see what we can incorporate in future versions of, of the technology. 
Yeah, why why is the distance set at what it is now? You, um, the Weiss standard guarantees uh, thirty feet, and uh, that's great for a home, um, but for professional environments, mm-hmm. that's not really sufficient. Do you, can it actually transmit a lot farther than that? You just don't want to guarantee more than that. So let me, uh, yeah, let me clarify that a little bit. So to one of the uh, many things that a a product has to pass in the compliance testing is uh, distance. And what uh, we test for is a minimum of 30 feet by 30 feet. Mm-hmm. Can it go farther? Absolutely. We've, we've done things much farther than that. Tell me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, we've been in a, uh, a number of environments uh, where we've been in these ballrooms that are 60 feet long, 50 feet deep and 20 feet high filled with 200 people uh, in a simple uh, 7.1 system and it's worked flawlessly. So you can go much farther than that. Um, however, what we are trying to do is, is un- make sure that, um, that in the home, initially in the home environment, we're going to talk about commercial and pro in just a second. In the uh, home environment, we want to make sure that the, 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 the user, the the consumer's experience matches the quality of the displays that they become accustomed to from an audio standpoint. Um, so while we say uh, 30 by 30, we, we, we know it goes much farther than that. And, you know, what, uh, what uh, manufacturers will do vis-a-vis the modules that go in the transmitters and receivers, uh, as long as they meet that minimum 30 by 30, that's, that's what you know, that's what we guarantee. Now, from a commercial standpoint, we are working uh, very hard uh, on uh, some technology that will be added to uh, the WISA technology that we'll start talking about in detail in the June time frame. And, um, and that is uh, uh, primarily targeted at uh, whole home and the uh, commercial pro space. The uh, technologies that we are um, working on uh, will be um, we'll be testing at a, a minimum of uh, 100 meters. Oh, wow. Is, yeah. So, uh, and we're really excited by that and actually are being uh, pulled very hard into the pro and commercial space because the same issues that, you know, the home has about pulling wires, they have, you know, uh, by orders of magnitude. Yeah, I know. I deal with space. it every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one uh, guy, uh, he was a president of one uh, a company that was saying, you know, gee, if I, if, if, if I go and, and bid a job and I don't have to pull wires, uh, I can save 30% labor right off the top, you know, and that could be just money in his pocket. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a compelling financial reason for these guys, for, for us to, uh, to bring uh, the, uh, uh, this technology into the commercial space. So we're working very hard to do that. We've got lots of other things that are going on that will, uh, you know, not only extend the range, but extend the channels and, and do various other things that we'll be talking about much more detail in, in the coming months. Yeah, well, you guys have the resolution down already. I think it's really the main things that I saw that limit it at the moment are just the distance requirement, right. uh, the channel count, and then the delay. There is a fixed delay of five milliseconds system-wide, which is 
probably fine for most applications. If you could get it lower, like down to four, three, two, then I think we're talking about, I think then no one would have a problem with it. But then at the moment, there's a speaker to speaker delay of 160 nanoseconds. Right. And part of me thinks, oh, that's fine. And then part of me thinks, wait, that's not, that's not aligned. It needs to be zero to zero. So I, I, those, those seem like the only hurdles to me, but, but, um, well, let me doable. make a comment about that. Yeah, okay. so what we say, uh, five milliseconds, that's worst case. And uh, as we keep studying the commercial and pro market and the use cases for, for those markets, which are kind of slightly different for, for pro and commercial, um, there will be things from a, from a chip-level standpoint that, that our members will be working on to try to improve uh, the latency, even though for... The typical home environment, five milliseconds, is way good. Uh, to your point, uh, perhaps in the commercial space it, or in the pro space, it may not be. And we're trying to really hone that down uh, to make sure that uh, if there's anything that we can from a, uh, from a, uh, a chip level or a module level, we can do to improve that. We, we certainly will. I want to talk about the automatic time alignment in some of your speakers. Again, this is something mm-hmm. that would be fun to use in a professional application as well, but could you just explain um, how this works um, using the, there are ultrasonic transmitters and receivers on every speaker, right? Well, let me, (laughs) so uh, that certainly was part of of our Gen 1 and Gen 2 technology. However, what we can't, what we have come to find out from the manufacturers and from uh, particular use cases out there, uh, the decision was made to move away from the ultrasonic transducers in favor of, of uh, using um, uh, applications uh, on particular mobile devices, either a tablet or a, cell, or a smartphone or whatever, to do that, that alignment. Uh, the um, ultrasonic transducers added a level of complexity that, um, well, I enjoyed it because it was fairly simple for me. And it uh, seems way more accurate than just putting yourself using a mobile phone or something. It, it seems that it might be a lot more accurate, but um, our, our, the experiments that we've run and, and now that uh, in the technology that's being integrated out there today, we find that, you know, if you can get within, you know, a couple of centimeters with the mobile app, you're good. So um, uh, we find that the the, the technology differences, uh, the design complexity differences between ultrasonics and a non-ultrasonic unit really far outweigh the advantages of having them. So we elected not to continue the development with ultrasonics. You can find relevant links and more information about today's interview by using the search box on sounddesignlive.com. While you're there, pick up the Sound Design Live ebook with the best material from my first two years of interviews with audio industry leaders. It seems to me that um, with the, you know, the current technology that's available out there today and the, and the ability to build reputations in the marketplace... 
it, it seems like that should be a, a lesser of a problem. It's like, you know, me personally, I can work anywhere in the world. I choose San Francisco, but, but you know, with the technology and the way I can inter, uh, uh, interface with, with the, my, the, the folks that I have to, it doesn't matter where I live. Mm-hmm. And it would seem to me that someone that, that has built up a good reputation, you're going to have to figure out how to, to, to market that uh, reputation uh, in a global space uh, and so that you can, you know, uh, be able to find opportunities no matter where you are. I think the problem is that the that marketing for sound engineers is just somehow is not allowed yet. It's not part of it's not part of the culture yet. So it's totally allowed in marketing. So if I wanted to find someone to help me bring my new technology to market and I start looking around for that and I come up with Jim Venable, sure, I can see all of his experience, I can see the things he's done. I don't need to talk to someone to get a personal referral. But with a sound engineer, I still feel like there's that personal referral that hasn't gone online yet. People don't take their opinions of those things online yet. So I'm wondering about how to make that happen. Well, maybe the, maybe the term sound engineer in and of itself it might be the problem. Uh, Good point. Uh, the, uh, it, it becomes so esoteric in, in, in nature. Uh, you know, those that... You guys talk amongst yourselves, you know, understand you know, how to communicate with each other, but your target audience doesn't know what the hell a sound engineer is. That's true, and everyone has an idea of what marketing is. So, you know, it, it may be the time to, to bring you guys, and maybe you do, maybe you have done this, but, but to bring you guys together as a group, as a community, and decide as a community to standardize on common, uh, common nomenclature and common, common phrasing that, that will translate to your target audience. So it may be a communication issue just in, in the complexity of what you guys do. It doesn't, you know, I don't understand it. And, 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 and if I'm the guy that's going to have to sign the check to pay you, I'd kind of like to understand it in my terms, not your terms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's kind of like a doctor, right? I mean, you know, I want, I want that doctor to communicate to me where I understand what the hell's going on inside me, not uh, with all the medical terms that just wash over the top of my head. So it may be more of a of a of a of you guys all coming together as a, as an as an industry, um, as an association, as a group, and address the problem of how do we collectively and, and everybody's going to have to leave their competitive shirt at the door because this is something that has to come together as a group and address the the uh, the, the challenges of. Overcoming the um, the common notion of sound engineering being something that's very esoteric and way out on the edge. I completely and, and, agree. <laughs> and you can do that. And you can do that. I mean, you know, yeah. you can absolutely do that. Uh, this happens all the time. I mean, look at the Cedia crowd, right? They all came together to do one thing, and that was to address uh, the teaching and the education of all the uh, of the custom installer group. You know, everybody was out there doing things differently and, and confusing uh, and making it a lot more complicated for the, uh, for the consumer out there to get someone to come in and install a home theater. 
But now they've come together and they've started holding classes and they teach everybody the rights and the wrongs and the ins and outs of new technology that's come to market and, and trying to have everybody on the same page. And I think that perhaps the sound engineering community may have to come together and do something similar. Sound Design Live produces free audio podcast interviews with industry experts, product reviews of pro audio books, hardware, and software, and tutorials and articles on sound engineering, sound design, and sound system design and optimization. Subscribe today at sounddesignlive.com or by searching for Sound Design Live in iTunes or SoundCloud. Just going to work. So it's very analogous of how you take your laptop, you go to Starbucks, you sit down, you open it up, you turn it on, and it just connects up to the, the internet and you don't even think about it anymore. Because why? Because 25 years ago or so, when 802.11 was coming to market and things were beginning their very early stages of turning into to, to wireless connectivity, those devices didn't work very well together. Nope. <laughs> and, you know, particularly if you were trying to mix different brands of things, they just didn't work. And so a group of companies came together. They formed the Wi-Fi Association to address that common compliance platform between uh, 802.11 devices. And so now you can get Netgear one thing and Cisco something else, and you put it together and, and it works. And this is, this is exactly what we're trying to accomplish here with the Weiss Association. You may like uh, Eclipse Sub and maybe Martin Logan Towers and maybe Polk Surrounds and uh, maybe a Sharp TV. And if they're all Weiss compliant, they're all going to work together. And, and, and they're going to deliver that experience that the consumer's just been craving for. I want one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I have been very fortunate to have a sample in my own living room. I'm a, my, my, I live in San Francisco, right? And you know the houses aren't really very big. My living room's not that big, so I can only put a 5.1 system in there. But uh, it's just transformative. Uh, it's like you go to the movie theater every night when you sit down. It's really amazing at the quality of the audio. Uh, and you know I can make popcorn and no interference, so I, it's just it's just great. <laughs> oh, that should be your tagline. I can make popcorn and no interference. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think the thing that really sold me when I was reading about Wisa um, and these systems for home theater, um, if I was investing one at the moment, my favorite part is that you can move the speakers just by picking them up and put them in a different room. So if I want to take the system outside, if I want to take it into a different room, that to me is, is one of the most fun parts. Well, it is. And so uh, the use case is, okay, um, if you don't own your own home and you rent, and or if you're a mobile-type person that works all over the world, you can just you just pack up your system, take it with you, and get there and unbox it and plug it in, turn it on, and it just all works together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the good part is that if you set it up in your living room, this is what we call the spousal approval factor. <laughs> um, it overcomes a lot of those objections to having a surround sound system. 
you know, uh, my lovely bride's not going to allow me to drill holes and pull wires or, or disrupt the living room for two weeks while I figure out how to install this thing. It sounds like you're saying women don't like speakers. They love them if they're not <laughs> intrusive. Well, I think you need to add that feature to your white paper. True enough. <laughs> True enough. Well, um, if you are interested in learning more about WISA like I am, you can follow Jim's work with the Wireless Speaker Association online at wisaassociation.org. That's W-I-S-A association.org. And on Twitter at WISA Association. Jim, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Sound design. Hey, this is Nathan. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed this episode of Sound Design Live, rate it, rate it. on iTunes or send it to a friend. I wish you wouldn't keep appearing and disappearing so suddenly. You're making me very dizzy.